0: Your hosts are here Sammy and Michelle By the end of this podcast You'll know them well Adulting, navigating The journey of life Careers to relationships Pain and strife Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo If there's another direction You wanna go Find purpose, passion and mastery In all that you do We're status host Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting family, this is Sammy and Michelle, and you're listening to the 98th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we are talking about self-compassion. Ah, yes. Self-compassion, Sammy. I have to say that it's almost weird to think that maybe a year or two years ago, I didn't really have a concept of self-compassion because it feels so innate in a way, but I really didn't. And I would say that one of the biggest positive changes in my life is learning about self-compassion and learning how to apply it in my own life. So I'm so excited to talk about it today. I agree, Michelle. And self-compassion, this topic, was popularized, if not created by Kristen Neff, who wrote a book entitled Self-Compassion. Yes. It's funny, Sammy, because I found Kristen Neff's book because I realized that I was doing a lot of outward criticizing of, say, people like you. Like, I'd be a little bit worried about what you're doing, or I'd be like, oh, do it this way, do it that way, But, like, I had all these, like, critical control issues, Mm -hmm. and then I was Googling ways to fix that, Hmm. and I realized that that it came from my inner critic, and the reason my inner critic is so loud is because I have a lack of self-compassion. So that was the thought process that eventually got me to find self-compassion by Kristen Neff. She's definitely highly regarded on this topic if she herself did not come up with it. I agree. And she does a great job going through the topic. She breaks it down into three core components. First, there's self-kindness, which is similar to what it sounds like. That is actually being kind to ourselves, treating ourselves like we would treat someone that we love a lot someone who we do not want to harm. A lot of times we say things to ourselves that is just way harsher than we would ever say to somebody else. It's so true, Sammy. If you write down a lot of the things that you think about yourself, especially if you don't have like an exercise in self-compassion, or you have like this internal critic, write down all of the things that you say to yourself and then change it and say it to a friend. And your friend would probably hate you because you're being so cruel. Your friend would call, they'd probably call you a A (laughs) moop. For sure, because yeah, that's kind of how we treat ourselves. I mean, I have such a chip on my shoulder about things like productivity or making sure I do things correctly or don't make a mistake. And I would never abuse my friend the same way and be like, you're not doing enough work. You're not hardworking. Oh my God, you made a mistake. What an idiot. Like I would never say those things to a friend. Definitely not. And then component number two is common humanity, which is recognizing that we are just a human, just like everybody else here. I see it as we're put here on earth to learn lessons. And if things go wrong or they're not perfect, we shouldn't beat ourselves up because having things go perfectly or having things go well, that wasn't the purpose. That wasn't the point anyway, was to learn things. So you shouldn't be so cruel to yourself. And we should accept that we are just simple human beings. Common humanity, I think, is such an interesting one, Sammy, because what it's really about is exactly what you said. And this idea that, like the suffering we go through, a lot of times we're not alone in it. There are other people who go through similar things. And it's not to negate your experience, it's actually to shed light and make you feel less alone. A good example of this is when I was taking my writing class, and at the beginning, Like so many people talk about struggling with perfectionism, they talk about the fear of putting their work out there, of having a bad response, of having no response, and hearing other people vocalize the same fears that I had actually helped me a lot because it made me realize like, I'm not this super flawed, insecure person, like I'm having a very natural progression of thoughts that other people experience and can relate to. And so just having that common experience actually helped me a lot in motivating me to put my work out there and to write more and really get over a lot of those ideas. I agree, Michelle. I think when I started to mentor new coworkers, for me, a lot of my self-criticism, I think, is work-related or things like that. And I think mentoring new people really shows me how we all go through the same struggle and we all have the same questions and we all have the same difficulties. And it kind of puts it into perspective that I'm not abnormal for having issues. Like there's not a lot of people who can walk in day one and do everything perfectly. That's so true. Mentorship is such a good example, Sammy. Also a little bit of a wacky one when it comes to like connecting with others in our experience. I think about like culture specific TikToks. So we're like Indian, Indian American. Our family is from kerala they speak this language called malayalam we're christian indian we're catholic like that's so it's very like, particular that's so specific and there are malu indian tiktoks where they like <laughs> make fun of their parents or the culture and it's so funny like the things that they do and like these impressions that they it's do hilarious my mom is like now sending them to us like it's <laughs> that like universal in our culture but The other thing that I realized is that there are things that I normalized without realizing it. And it's kind of nice to have someone be like, hey, isn't it a little weird that all of our parents freak out when they have to drive in the car with us, but then we'll also spend 20 minutes on the phone with our auntie when we need directions? Like, Mm -hmm. just little things like that, that you're like, oh, wait, that's not normal. But also, it is normal, and, like, it's okay. Yes. Or, oh, I didn't realize every single Malayali family is, like, late to church and their mom's like yelling at their dad and their dad doesn't know where their socks are and (laughs) meanwhile like you're getting up from a hangover not us anymore since we don't drink but it's just like the same struggle and so many of us go through it yeah i'm waiting for the tiktok where their parents get kicked out of the eye doctor oh my god i yes there needs to be malayali family gets kicked out of doctor's office (laughs) nobody understands what we're talking about
1: a side <laughs> story
0: sorry that's actually not <laughs> i had recommended this really nice eye doctor place to michelle to get her glasses because i know michelle she's bougie she likes those kind of fancy things and okay. i knew she would like that place okay it's not just that okay the doctor mm-hmm. is very straight to the point he's very smart i was They're really okay. happy like he, i just want to like i'm when i go i just want to go in and out i want to get my problems fixed. Immediately, I'm very receptive to whatever feedback I get. Knowledgeable fellow, yes. And I guess you know I'm also relatively healthy, minus my poor eyesight. And I have good judgment. And I knew this is the type of place to send Michelle, and not the type of place I'd send my parents. Michelle, okay. however, decided that she would send our parents there. <laughs> okay, I I didn't realize how badly it was going to go. First of all, I'm pretty sure this is the most pathology they've ever seen at that eye doctor <laughs> <office>. <laughs> not our father parents like rent in this bougie neighborhood in the Bay Area. He was trying to tell my dad that he has high blood pressure, and then next thing you know, they're all arguing with each other, and the doctor is telling my dad that he needs to fix his he needs to fix his blood pressure unless he wants my mom to be a widow. Literally, our family rebels. So that kind of talk, but those kind of threats, not good. They people don't realize how triggering and how not okay they're going to be with that like they're going to be zero percent responsive to that they're actually very <laughs> uncomfortable with being told what to do and very comfortable with being told that they're going to die so it's mm-hmm. like was not a good mix yeah and uh, these honestly, people need to be inspired into doing stuff but not told what to do it's a very I would fine say line they need to be manipulated into doing mm-hmm. things very mm-hmm. gently with gloves but can't handle that and honestly the thing is they had a huge fight with the eye doctor. I can never go back, and it actually got worse. But honestly, we don't have even enough time in this fr- in this Maybe podcast after episode. Yeah, we can talk about it more in the after show. But I take my parents' side, mm-hmm. and I have compassion for myself that I did not fully think through sending them to this guy, who honestly I thought is good, and he is. But what was good for me was not good for everybody. Yes, and that brings us to our third core component, which is part of self-compassion. And that is mindfulness. We can be kind to ourselves, we can have common humanity, but we kind of have to register what's going on. And that involves mindfulness. Yes, you do have to check in. For example, when I start to realize that I'm upset, sometimes something that I've realized is I'll actually try to rationalize it and be like, well, I understand why. Sammy said that to me. She's tired. She's busy. Mm. But then I won't take the time to acknowledge that I'm feeling upset. And it's actually worse because then I end up, my anger festers and I go off on her two days later. And then the eye doctor won't see me anymore. You know, it's just like. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it helps now, though, to be like, when I have those moments where I start to feel a little sad, I'm like, let me just. Let me just check in with myself really quick. Let me see if I'm okay or not. I don't have to like try to like, make myself okay. I just want to know like in this moment. And you know, this is one reason I love having a therapist because I used to love doing meditation. Now I can't stay awake for it, like for the life of me. If I'm going to have like a two minutes of quiet time, I will pass out. <laughs> so meditation is temporarily out the window for me. But now, if I recognize, I'm like, ooh, I feel something creeping up that's negative, I just write it down in my little online journal, and I bring it to therapy, and we talk about it. And it's great, because I don't have to figure everything out by myself. I don't have to make time to do it. I already have a space designated to deal with all that. It's so true, Sammy. And Sammy does fall asleep very easily. <laughs> so it's nice, because Kristen Neff does have these three components of self-compassion to reflect on, to be kind to yourself, to sort of take a look at the bigger picture and understand that like we're all one people, and also to remember to be mindful so that we actually can check in with ourselves and remember like, hey, let me see how I'm doing. For real, for real. So Michelle, the question is, why do we criticize ourselves to begin with? And a common answer is that we think this criticism will motivate us. Kristen Neff shares a great example in this TED talk that she gave on self-compassion, where she gives an example of a kid coming home from school because he failed his math test. In one scenario, his father gets super angry at him. He's like, I'm so disappointed in you. You're a failure. You're never going to amount to anything. You're a loser. Wow. Some, some people honestly may have heard this kind of negativity or worse in their household, which reading ground for not self-compassion. And then she does another example where the kid comes home, same scenario, fails the math test, and the parent is like, oh my gosh, I know this really hurts. I know this is really hard. How are you feeling? Math tests can be hard. This happens to everybody. Let's work on strategies so that next time you can do better. Like, what do you think would help you do better next time? And you can hear that like those two scenarios have are going to have two completely different outcomes. On one side, the kid is just beating himself up for not doing well. It's also creating a fixed mindset where he's going to think, oh, I did bad on my test. I'm an idiot. I'm going to be bad forever. And on the other hand, you have a scenario where the kid is thinking, this is normal. This is okay. This happens sometimes. And there's ways where I can improve. It's going to be so much easier to think of strategies to improve and ways to motivate yourself to do better from a place where you're not beating yourself down. That's so true, Sammy. And I love that example because it's the external critic in this is the father, right? But that turns into your internal Mm -hmm. critic. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because for me, I see this play a part too. I realize now that I've been writing a little bit about my work and like my time off, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder for productivity and whether or not I work hard enough. Something that I'm trying to examine a little bit, but what I've noticed over the past couple of years is when I first left my job, I felt really, really bad that I wasn't working like 40 hours a week and that I wasn't applying myself the same way I was in like a corporate structure. I really wish I had more self-compassion for myself. I wish I was more mindful and I wish I said like, hey, you just... You just got let go of your job. You were really stressed out. It's okay to have a little bit of time to decompress, to try to process what happened. I think that would have been so helpful for me. And actually, later on, like when we were living here in our small town and I was trying to focus on upping my productivity, I did end up having that conversation with myself because I realized that one, I was beating myself up for not being productive. And I was creating this cycle where I would beat myself up, then I wouldn't do it, I would feel guilty, I would beat myself up, and it was just, just a constant cycle. Versus when I decided to have self-compassion for myself, I said, hey, things were kind of crazy, you took a break, you're actually in a better place now, let's see how we can apply ourselves in the future so that we can be better. And I made a major shift in my productivity because I was able to just acknowledge The situation and actually apply a growth mindset to becoming more productive. That's a great example, Michelle. I think there's a narrative that anxiety will make us do things, or that fear will make us do things, or that, you know, just like, or that punishment will make us do things. And the truth is, is that people are not very well motivated by that because even if you're like, oh, you know, I had a really bad experience, I need to do better next time. It's so hard to then go and learn and study and absorb information when you're coming from a place of negativity because you have that anxiety like lingering those thoughts in your brain and what you need is clarity and openness to absorb more information. Now seems like a good time too, Sammy, to make a clarification between self-compassion and self-esteem. I know Kristen Neff talks about this specifically as well, but there is self-esteem and the self-esteem movement which is this idea of Being like, hey, you did a great job. In the example you gave, the father wasn't like, it's okay. You deserve an A. Everybody deserves an A. Like, it's just about trying. Like, that's not the narrative. Self-esteem is sort of this idea of making someone feel good or just like feeling positive all the time. And that's like a separate thing. Self-compassion isn't about feeling positive all the time. It's not about trying to like boost up how you feel about yourself. It's about looking at yourself in the moment understanding how you feel and being compassionate, feeling as though like, hey, like the same way you would with a friend, like hopefully you wouldn't beat a friend up if they went through something difficult. And that same compassion that you show them, you should show yourself. That makes complete sense, Michelle. When you say it like that, I see how self-esteem kind of goes hand in hand with a fixed mindset and self-compassion goes hand in hand with a growth mindset. Because self-esteem is almost like a house of cards. You think you're great. You think everything's wonderful. But if things start coming out of place that maybe don't align with your perception of yourself, that might be really hard and difficult. Versus self-compassion, where you don't have to be perfect. You can always grow. Mm -hmm. You can always change. And at the same time, you can always just be you, too. That's really well said, Sammy. Self-esteem, obviously, your natural self-esteem is probably something a little bit different. But I think the self-esteem that we try to put into children or put into ourselves, like you can't just say to someone like, feel good about yourself. Like sometimes that's just not the reality. That's not like the place you are in your life or in your headspace. And it's so much more productive to just acknowledge where you are. And from there, you can decide if that's something that you want to change or move towards something else. But self-compassion is much more about meeting you where you are and loving you in that spot. So, takeaways for self-compassion. Be kind to yourself. Yes, self-compassion is made up of three core components, and one of them is self-kindness, the second one is common humanity, and the third one is mindfulness. I want to emphasize, Sammy, that self-compassion is something that maybe seems simple or self-evident when we're talking about it, especially since we've been reading about it so much, of late like it does start to feel like obvious but I do want to remind yourself to like hold space for yourself if you come up to a point where you're feeling sad angry upset confused especially those bad feelings and remember in those moments to take a second and be like okay I want to be kind to myself what does that look like and move through the exercises for self-compassion yeah I agree with Michelle a lot of times self-compassion seems kind of obvious. Oh, okay, self-compassion. I have compassion for myself. But the tricky part is recognizing those moments where you're beating yourself up and then using the tools within self-compassion, turning that around and having kindness for yourself, the common humanity, the mindfulness of what's going on, and actually going through those thought processes to see what's going on and how to really care for yourself in those moments where you're feeling negative. I applied self-compassion today, Sammy. Sammy and I, in planning our podcasting schedule, I realized that I made a mistake. Mm. And we had to rearrange our whole schedule for the weekend. It put Sammy out. I felt really bad about it. We were kind of like snipey at each other because of it. And I took a moment for myself because at first I wanted to just be like, Ugh, whatever, get over it. Like, you need to move on. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, I can just fix this. And I actually instead chose to like, let myself be upset for a little bit. Like I was like, okay, I feel sad about this. I'm upset that I messed up. And I started to think like, what kind of kindness would I have wanted from somebody else? And I was like, okay, well, I would want someone to acknowledge that this happened, but maybe also acknowledge that I've been busy and that I've had a lot going on. And that I've been doing a really good job thus far in maintaining our podcast schedule and producing our podcast. You have. Thank you so much. And I did make a mistake. And it's okay to be sad about that. What that allowed me to do was actually create a support system for myself by myself. And from there, I actually started to feel a lot better. I was like, okay, I felt sad. Now I feel supported. And I was ready to move on and be like, all right, now I'm ready to actually like tackle this problem. But I think before what I would have done is I would have tried to swept it under the rug. I would have been like, I'm fine. I get it. And then I probably would have like fought with you about it like two days later. And in reality, like self-compassion really gave me the tools to realize like, okay, like I need me to support me right now. And this is how I can do it. You know, it reminds me of us being our own individual stock. Okay. Yes. You know, we're not an index fund if we're feeling negative about something and we just try to brush it under the rug and just power through that doesn't always work. Sometimes it's just too difficult to go move forward with stuff without acknowledging how you feel first. And so, if we're the one thing that we got, we got to care for us. Mhm. That is so true, you know. I think it is important, like it's an important skill to work on to show love and compassion for yourself. So, if you guys have examples of when you have demonstrated self-compassion, or recognized that you were beating yourself up, let us know. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at statuspostadulting at gmail.com. Our Instagram's at statuspostadulting. You know how to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo. Welcome! our after show welcome to the after show we are done talking about self-compassion done with it thank you so much for listening thank you have compassion for yourself period so true and if you're wondering what happened at the eye doctor or maybe any doctor's appointment with their parents (laughs) who are lovely and this might be i would even say A totally made-up story that has nothing to do with our parents in case anybody asks us in the future. Mm -hmm. But it's real. (laughs) So they had their drama at the eye doctor. And then the poor man tried (laughs) to call my father and didn't get a hold of him because his voicemail box was full. (laughs) To which my mother got upset and said, well, why didn't you text him? Which... (laughs) The last time I went there, these people, like, this is not a high-tech doctor. They literally have a typewriter. Like, literally. Like, (laughs) and uh, she just kind of went off on him, I would say. Mm -hmm. And she just did not have any empathy for him. Honestly, like, obviously things were already bad. Mm -hmm. He is not like the type of person that has outward compassion. And I guess neither are they. He has good boundaries. They're not used to it. Yes. He, he wasn't going to take responsibility for them not answering their phone. And he's not going to say that he should have texted them when that's not part of their protocol. When they don't even have a cell phone. Our mom, upset about this. She yelled at them. She yelled at the whole place. She kind of went off on a tangent about this is a problem with California to the receptionist. <laughs> Just an aside this is a story. Just an aside. <laughs> And, yeah, and that's, you know, this is a common theme with our parents and doctor's appointments. And I hope this is a common theme for all Indian people, (laughs) if not South Indian, if not Malayalis. (laughs) Yes, literally. These people are so nice. Honestly, like, they don't really knock it along with people. They're always very empathetic. They listen to people. But, man, if you have the word doctor in front of your name, Mm -hmm. like, medically. yes. I know, it it makes me glad I'm a physician assistant, almost, you know, (laughs) can kind of hide under that a little bit. What am I? Who knows? (laughs) Because they don't like doctors, because they don't like people telling them what to do. That's like, if maybe, like, we polled all of Kerala, we'd maybe see, like, a disproportionately high number of rebels there. I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know. And they do not like, maybe just our family, but they do not like being told what to do. Just the percentage that's related to us. Mm Mm-hmm. If it's a and gene, we have it. <laughs> and the thing about doctor's offices is you kind of go there so that they tell you what to do. That's how most and, people see it. Yes, exactly. And they are definitely going to get upset if you're non-compliant. Yeah they, yeah. they they do feel like they need to yell at you if you're non-compliant or at least tell you directly in a clear way, which some people don't love. Our family. It doesn't matter if you're a dentist, too. Same thing.
1: Oh, and my god. Worse
0: if you're a dentist. <laughs> yeah, worse if you're a dentist, eye doctor, doctor, All right, poor eye doctor. I mean, he definitely got it sounds like a little bit too feisty. He, he, did, he also yeah. he also accused their doctor of being bad, and she is so sweet. She literally mm-hmm. tolerates so much like, with my dad. The thing is, like our my my parents, my dad's doctor is like his medical doctor. She kind of knows how to work with him. You know, she doesn't trigger his rebel. So she's not going to attack him for not taking his high blood pressure medication because he will not show up for years if she does that. I know She does try to make suggestions. Mm -hmm. She does try to make suggestions, but she's, you know, she's working with him. Yeah. She meets you where you're at. Unlike the eye doctor who's very, like, black and white about stuff. And it is because because the situation is black and white. I get it. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) But... Some people don't like to hear that kind of tone, we could say. Yeah. Hopefully, everybody came out of that having self-compassion for themselves. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, they don't talk to their inner voice the way they talk to each other. (laughs) God help us. This is what happens when we leave our parents. And I need to find a new eye doctor. (laughs) Luckily, we don't live there anyway. Yes. But I I would have loved to go back, Quite honestly. (laughs) They have really nice glasses there. I got my glasses there. And they just got like the most classic styles. I love it. He knew my like contact brand by the case. Like I was so impressed. like he's just like a very intelligent man, but too smart that for his own good. Is not yeah too smart for his own good. lot of lot of brain, not a lot of uh table side. <laughs> not a lot of discretion. Yeah. anyway, guys. great chatting with you. Bye.